0: Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson. I'm sitting down today with Bruce Adams and GP. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. Uh, healthy, life.
1: Yeah. Still enjoying the weather. Is That, that front is still here. Still kind of sitting around. Got some
0: nice rain. Supposed to get more rain tomorrow. The next mm-hmm. week is supposed to be back up in the 80s, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah. Well, we still have Indian summer to go through. And seeing as how half of your state is now a, a quote, Indian reservation, you know, you just kind of have to go with it, <laughs> it don't you? It makes sense, right? Yeah. 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 So um, today we're going to go back over, uh, well, we're not going to go back over anything. Today we're going to have another one of our little installments on the digital dark age. And these things are something that whenever we start to gather some prevalent information on the technology and and how things are moving, we like to sit down and discuss which way that uh, we think things are going to go and how it's going to be used, whether that's in our favor or against people as a whole in society. But today, we're going to talk uh, about a wide array of things. We're going to talk about the Internet of Things, and we're going to talk about universities. We're going to talk about, I think last week we covered, what what was it? Conspiracy theories and and bubble cities, right? Isn't that what we did last time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's right. We're going to cover what is being called the infodemic right? Not the pandemic, right? That's what we're dealing with. But there's an infodemic. Now, we're going to talk about that. Also, I think we're going to start with uh, Netflix. Yeah, there's a deal with Netflix. What's going on with Netflix?
1: Yeah. So there's a bit of a uh, upheaval uproar. I don't know what you want to call it, uh, where they're basically saying cancel Netflix. And it's all based around a movie they put out. Um, I think it's an exclusive Netflix exclusive, but it's called Cuties. Now, this is, to put it very simply, the sexualization of 11, 12-year-old girls. That's quite literally what this is. Yeah, it's literally, if I understand the synopsis correctly, it's four girls in a dance-off. And basically, they're twerking and doing a bunch of the, what we see pop artists doing yeah. as far as the provocative dancing and and Mm -hmm. um sexualizing Mm -hmm. of the dancing yeah we're seeing 11 and 12 year old girls do this in this um movie i've seen clips of it that people have released and it is disturbing um i I, I don't know how else to say it and 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 the thing is the not only is it disturbing what the the girls are doing but it's kind of like you, you you can see the audience in the background and you see some like clapping and cheering them on and uh, I, I, I don't know it, it's it's being accused of softcore child pornography and honestly the clips that i've seen of it so far is pretty disgusting. And, and that is an accurate way of, of saying that. And this is this is where we're at, right? This Netflix is what we, been, we've talked about it.
0: Yeah, we've been talking about Netflix since we started this podcast. And I mean, I think we talked about it even on one of our first uh, views and reviews, didn't we? And uh, about how oh, yeah. it just it's just crap on there. And this, this, this doesn't surprise me. This does not surprise me because it follows along with the agenda that's being promoted in society. Everything's done in like the, um, the area of pop culture and all that stuff. And as you said, they're kind of mimicking what a lot of these, um, entertainers and singers and and whatever these stars do. Okay. Well, that's just taking that attitude and moving it over to a group of preteens and not teens. That's bad enough. Preteens. And so it doesn't surprise me that they've come out and they've done this uh, and they've got a lot of people upset about it. And a lot of people are canceling their membership. I've been I've been threatening to cancel my membership for a long time now because it's just junk on there. And the agendas that they promote And the types of uh, the type of content that's on there, I just do not like it anymore. And like I've said before, there's only like, I think uh, maybe three or four things I actually watch on there. I don't watch anything else. I do not watch anything else. I cannot watch any of that garbage. I just can't do it. And more than that, I mean, this right here, this is bad enough. This uh, film or whatever it is they put out, which if that's going to make a lot of people mad, then they'll pull it. I would imagine. I would imagine that they would pull it. But if they do not, then it would just fall right along the uh, the lines of uh, a lot of the other stuff they're putting out. I, I saw another series they were putting out. I can't remember the name of it. I should have bookmarked it when I saw it on there. But do do you have Netflix, Bruce? No. No. Okay. But you, you get the idea where you turn it on and as you're flipping through, you get like a preview up in the corner of what it is. Okay. So it's yeah. As you're kind of scrolling down through there. Okay. Well, I was scrolling down through there one day, and of course they show their exclusive content first. So you get that, and then you get the preview when you're flipping through it. And I don't know what I was doing. I was like messing around on my phone or something, and I stopped on just like this random Netflix exclusive series, and I didn't even realize it. And I start seeing Or excuse me, I start hearing all of these social justice warrior talking points, right? You know, you hear the terms like privilege and xenophobic and hate and all this stuff. And I'm like, what what is this? And then they started getting into like vegan stuff and climate change stuff. And I'm like, this is this is just crazy. Then you had some people say, is it really time for us to consider safe injection zones for drug users in the cities? Like this is content that's out there. I mean, like like I said, this one's bad enough, but this is content that's out there a better part of a year or two ago. And kids go through and they see this stuff. You know, unless someone has, unless parents have like the uh, uh, the the uh, parental blocks enabled and stuff like that, you're going to see that content as a kid. How is that not damaging? How is that not damaging? And then this on top of that, how is this not damaging to uh, to younger viewers? It's bad enough that as adults we have to uh, stomach this nonsense. If you have a subscription, that's bad enough. But what if a child is exposed to that? It's the same danger I've argued with cell phones you know, mobile phones with uh, access to all the free porn that's out there. It's the same thing. If a kid has a smartphone, which kid doesn't have a smartphone these days, right? Or an iPod or or an iPod touch or an iPad or something like that. Which kid doesn't have that? What's to stop them from going out and being exposed to this content?
1: Wow. Wow. Okay, I didn't read this far into it. Okay. so um, the cuties going back back to that Uh specifically. Uh Uh-huh.
0: I'm sorry, I get to drift I, there. I'm, it's just there's so much no, you, that, that goes into all yeah. this stuff. About it's it's about exposure at the end of it, isn't it? It's about the kids being exposed to this crap. And like I said, it's bad enough that we as adults have to put up with this garbage. But if we as responsible adults, and especially people that have subscriptions to these services, if we don't push back on this, if we don't quote vote with our dollars, it's just going to continue.
1: So this is IMDb's parental advisement guide. This is this is a quote from them. Okay. During one of the many highly sexualized and erotic dance scenes that pur- uh, purposefully exploit and objectify numerous scantily clad underage girls, one of the female child dancers lifts up her cropped top to fully display her bare breast. This is lawfully defined as pedophilia and can be extremely distressing to many viewers.
0: I I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know even how to respond to that. I, I Like, really, There's- I'm just, you saw the look on my face. I, I'm just kinda- Yeah. of... Yeah yeah uh, w- what do you say to that like seriously what, uh, what do you say to that well um it, it,
1: there's also another scene in there where an 11 year old uh one of the girls is watching a female rap rap music video where naked women role play through dance uh,
0: so. okay um now it, it, you ask how, how does this all tie it into like uh, the digital dark age well this is all like Netflix. This is all part of it, right? They're they're part of this technological consortium that we're dealing with, right? They're one of the entertainment wings of it, just like Amazon, just like Hulu. And what's the other one? What's the other one out there? Isn't is there a fourth Amazon, one? Disney, Plus, Disney uh, Plus. That's what it Disney. is. Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Disney Plus. And they're getting a lot of heat right now for the uh, the new movie they just came out with. M- Mulan, Mulan, whatever it's called. Because, yeah, Mulan. Yeah. Yeah. They filmed it in the city in China where they have concentration camps. So. I hadn't heard anything about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're getting a lot of heat for that. So. OK, uh, is there anything else you've got on uh, on that? That That's just that's disgusting, man. That's just terrible. That is absolutely terrible.
1: It, it, it fits in there. It fits in the narrative we're seeing out of California, though, with some of the laws yeah. that they're passing. They passed the transgender law here recently to where it's OK to inject kids underage with hormone blockers that will permanently stop them from being uh, fertile to make it easier for transitioning later on, and then we're also seeing laws that are passed that are okaying pedophilia. So uh, this movie just fits along with the narrative and honestly uh, it's a desensitization and they, they need this kind of thing to happen uh, for people to get desensitized to this because it, it, it fits in with part of the Marxist agenda with the, uh, uh, well I don't I
0: think know what to say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm lost on this one. <laughs> I think it's that. And I also think that it goes to, for sure, I mean, you're, you're dead on, but I also think it goes to the bigger agenda here of as we get further down the road, because Ghislaine Maxwell's trial is coming up next year, right? We're, we're about uh, yeah. we're, we're under a year. And what do you think if she gets on the stand and she starts singing like a canary? What do you think she's going to say? Right. What do you think she's mm-hmm. going to say? And so they have to they have to desensitize the public, as you said. Not only does it fit the Marxist agenda, but, you know, the, the whole idea of like free love and all that crap, you know, like the uh, the mayor of Seattle said, yeah, it's going to be the summer of love. Yeah, that kind of garbage. But they have to desensitize the public to it because they know that this is coming. This is coming out. This is going to come out about uh, the elite, about sports stars, about entertainers, about uh, people in pop culture. You're already seeing what's going on at Buckingham Palace in England. You've got people out there screaming at the gates of Buckingham Palace, calling the royals pedophiles. Yeah. So, I mean, it's coming. It's coming. They know that this is all going to come out, so they have to rush to get all this in, and they have to, as you said, with the um, the recent passing of the bill in California, right? They have to desensitize mm-hmm. people to it. They have to say, "Oh, well, they have a problem. They can't help it. It's it's part of an inclusive group." You see how that works? So they they say, "Okay, well, it's it's just I don't honestly I don't I don't think that it's going to work, but it's all going to be based on how society looks at it going forward, because quite frankly." I don't think people are awake to it yet. I think they're starting to see it, but I don't think that they quite believe it. But there will come a point in time where they will have to believe they, they'll have to see it. They'll have to.
1: So just for for the listeners sake, the bills that passed. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm a little whew, I, I'm a little um, a little angry at that article. Um, so one of the things that passed, the, the transgender thing passed with like 30 to zero votes was unanimous and it passed within literally 45 seconds they put it up for vote and within 45 seconds everyone had voted "aye." everyone there was no nay in there and the one about okaying pedophilia basically that one's sitting on the governor's desk currently they're probably waiting for the next um you know i don't know maybe maybe they'll sign it this friday and there'll be some something that happens and they'll kind of mm-hmm. Sweep it under the rug so it just mm-hmm. skims by.
0: Anyway, all right, yeah, Netflix, no way, no way, terrible. Okay, let's talk about. I really want to try to get to everything today, but let's let's talk about the universities. Okay, Let, let's talk about how this is going to impact the universities. So they're looking at universities. We talked about it last couple of uh, last couple of weeks here about how some of these universities are adapting to this technology and how they're using, like the universities themselves, the administrators, they're using this technology in order to manage the students, aren't they? We saw in Northeastern University in Boston where students were expelled. They were expelled and they were not given their, Mm -hmm. what was it, $36,000 in tuition back? Yeah, it was. It was a good chunk of change. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, other universities, such as the one down the road from you, Oklahoma State, I think it was, they're using this stuff. Oklahoma State University, yeah. Yeah, they're using this stuff. There was a university in Michigan that's going to be doing this. I'm not sure which one it is. Uh, We had discussed it. There is a university in, I think, Ohio State University is going to start this, I think. But they're talking to here about how COVID 19 will impact universities. Well, of course, everything's going to be moving to virtual and, and online stuff. I mean, that much is apparent. That's happening with public schools. That's that's happening. Why would you put people on? Uh, why would you put students back on a campus if it's that big of a deal? I mean, you're going to have college students. I mean, seriously, you're going to you're going to put people in colleges like on university campuses, but yet you're going to tell everyone else to stay home and, and learn from uh, l- learn from virtual meetings. Why wouldn't you just do that with universities, too? Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you just shut the colleges down? Wouldn't that make more sense? Honestly, I'm I'm wondering if this is a I
1: I hate that I'm going here, but I'm wondering if it's more nefarious and they're going, Yeah, we're gonna open up, hey, come back on campus. Yeah, let's go. Let's let's have the oh, sorry, infections are going up, skyrocketing. Uh you have to go back home. But we're not gonna give you your tuition back. Well
0: that Uh, but then the college is
1: just trying to steal money.
0: I think it's that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's that, but I also think that it's the universities are losing money from the football. Uh, realm as well. They're not they're not making the money. So they're going to have to do something. hundreds of millions. Yeah. But uh, again, the um, the students that are on campus. So I'm just trying to work this out in my head because everyone else has to has to be uh, has to keep schools closed. Right. Public schools are closed, except for the ones that do go back. But yet what you can't go and have an auditorium full of people now. That's completely out of the question, right? That's what you would normally do in, in university. You'd have, you know, four or five hundred people crammed in an auditorium. But they're looking at how COVID-19 is an opportunity to transition to a better universal higher education, right? Universal higher mm-hmm. education. It, I mean, it sounds great, right? This can help mitigate inequality and help to make society fairer. Oh, well, I'm, I, you know, society has been so unfair. You know why? Because we've had winners and losers in society. Not everybody's a winner. <laughs> no, I, hate to, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but not everybody's a winner. This is what participation trophies have brought into the world. This right here, this kind of attitude about how we need to make society fairer. Well, you see how they're making society fairer. They're getting rid of merit. How is that making society fair? Merit is fair. That's fair. That is you doing your best, working as hard as you can, earning your way in the arena of competition. That's how society is fair. And you know what? If you don't make it, then you fail and you learn from that failure. And so what do you do? You go back, you reassess self-assessment. You don't blame society. You don't blame the system. You blame yourself for not doing a good enough job. You reassess, you go back and you try again. That's what it's all about, because you're going to be a better person for that. You're going to work harder. You're going to be more determined. You're going to be more committed. But instead, I see all this crap started with George Bush. No child left behind. You remember that nonsense? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So they're asking the question, will COVID-19 finally trigger a long overdue technological disruption of higher education Uh, throughout the world? Sudden mid semester lockdowns aimed at combating the pandemic forced universities to switch to distance learning almost overnight. But while this rapid transition has been tough for, the, uh, for faculty and students alike, some good might yet come of it. Hmm, let's see. Like many businesses, universities are struggling with how to reopen and are adopting a range of strategies. For example, University of Cambridge in the United Kingdom has announced that its lectures will be online only until at least summer of 2021. So see, that's why I said they're not even going to have auditoriums anymore. Others, including Stanford University, are offering a mix of in-person and online classes, which I think some public schools are doing that as well. They're kind of doing a little of both. Uh, same yeah. same with some other universities. I think they're doing a little of both uh, as well as spreading out their academic year so that fewer students will be on campus at any time. Dorm rooms are largely unoccupied in a lot of universities. Sports stadiums are empty, which we talked about what that is. They're losing all kinds of money. They're, they're losing all kinds of money with that. And it's I mean, I, you got no one to blame but yourself. You want to stick with this agenda. You, you want st- to if you're a university, you want to stick with this agenda. That's your fault. I'm sorry. I, I don't feel sorry for you. I do not feel sorry for you. I don't have any sympathy for someone that's being bullheaded about all this. I don't. The universities have so much clout that they can get together and they can push back on elected representatives because they they give to them, do they not? Right. They host them so they can push Mm -hmm. back on that and they can be a force for good to get society moving again. But see, they're not doing that. They're not doing that. They've now realized that they have a newfound power, a newfound sense of authority. So they're going to you think they're going to give that up. You think they're going to let that go? You got all this technology at at their fingertips. You think they're going to let all that go? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And the tech companies, Facebook, Google, Twitter, uh, the rest of them, they're happy to get on board with that. They're happy to allow the the universities to use their software, their products as tools of control. They're happy to allow that. They're happy to help administer that. So there's not going to be any pushback there. Students push back against paying full tuition fees. I wouldn't pay any tuition fees if that's how it's going to be, which I wouldn't have paid for the, the, the nonsense education anyway that you are so-called. Excuse me. L- let me rephrase that. I wouldn't pay for the indoctrination you get at a university anyway. I wouldn't do it. For many colleges and universities, the drop in revenue from foreign students, especially Chinese. Didn't we talk about that yesterday? Didn't you bring that up?
1: Yeah, they're, they're, uh-huh. we're we're kind of restricting um, uh-huh.
0: Chinese students and whatnot. Gee, I wonder why. Hmm. I wonder why. Awful lot of money tied up in there. Uh, top universities, they go on to say here, face challenges. University of Michigan Michigan anticipates a pandemic loss of up to one billion dollars by the end of 2020. Harvard University is projecting a 750 million dollar revenue shortfall for next year.
1: Um, wasn't it Harvard that had something like 40 billion dollars or something like that? They had so enough. Pretty.
0: Yeah, they had enough. I, I, I heard the math on that one time. It was something of something along the lines of they had enough to take full tuition on of every student that would attend there. That's if they had like a full uh, a, a full regiment of students, right? If they had a full yeah. line of students, if none of them had the ability to pay for it, their tuition would be paid. I think it was for, was it for like a hundred years or something.
1: Yeah, it was. It was quite. It was a long time if they yeah. were to use that money.
0: Yeah, and honestly, yeah, that's that's how much they have in like surplus capital. Just them. Yeah, yeah. So
1: them being you know shortfall of you know however much, uh, they can absorb it. They can take it. Honestly, when you have that much money, why are you getting federal funds? And why are you charging so much for uh, tuition?
0: That is a lot of money. So after looking at those revenue losses, the the question is, will the COVID-19 shock ultimately help to bring out better education for more people at a lower cost, right? Because students are pushing back on it. They don't want to pay the full tuition fees. The stadiums are empty, so they're not making any money off the sports revenue. And More than that, the people that travel, right? Other schools come, other schools show up. They're they're not making that money. So they say that the answer will depend partly on whether universities push technology aside as the pandemic fades, or instead look for the best ways to harness it. See, there's the key right there, Bruce, to harness it. This is not an easy challenge, given the importance of interactions amongst professors, graduate students, undergraduates, both inside and outside of classes. Honestly, I think that in this case, video learning, this could be a boon for, uh, for universities. Do you not, do you not think so? Do you not, do you not think so? I, I think that it would be. Uh, I mean, yes and no. Uh, if they were able to do
1: both, like you were able to do like on campus learning and offline campus learning, like on, you know, using the internet, I think it would be a boon to, to have like, um, cheaper tuition costs and that, that sort of thing, uh, possibly. But, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a benefit because there's a lot of other connections you make with other students who are going to be your peers in the business world, for example, or, or medical fields, science fields, whatever. Uh, so there, there's there's things to be, you know, weighed there, if you will.
0: So speaking of interactions and speaking of uh, being joined by colleagues and people that you would normally associate with, we have a very special guest joining us right now to test the limits of Technology and and being in a virtual environment, and it looks like he's actually one with nature. GP, how you doing? Out here, and as you can see
2: in the background, and for our audience, I'm in the forest. I'm actually doing this, and it's not on Pretty fire.
0: Awesome. And it is not on fire.
2: <laughs> the other side of the mountain is the the other side is it's a little bit on fire, but six thousand acres or something right now. But it's not so bad.
0: It could be worse. Well, we were we were just discussing technology. Mm. and the effects that it has on the universities uh, and how they're going to um, adapt this technology going forward. Do you, do you think, in your opinion, do you think that this is a, a good thing for universities or do you think this is a bad thing? We're also discussing the ways that the universities are using the technology to kind of track the students and keep an eye on them mm-hmm. and manage them as well. Mm-hmm. Within all this, mm-hmm. everything's going on with the pandemic. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, that's a funny story. I was actually out on a hike, and one of the people I ended up getting a little train hiking train with was a teacher. because' weird this is a weird coincidence. and we got discussing about you know she's uh, right now she's doing all of her online, all of her classes are online, of course and and she's she's really enjoying it, and she really wants to go that route. And then she's finding is some students, respond better to the online environment than in a the classroom. They're easily okay, well, in a classroom. A times, s- they're easily distracted by other members. I other got the Okay, members. Go ahead. Okay.
0: No, I was, I was going to say, why, so, why was she of that opinion? Why, why did she say that? But you answered it. Yes.
2: And she, yeah,
0: she, uh, and so she got me sold on it. I'm
2: like, she's all, they're looking at doing a 50, 50 type or 60, 40, 30, 70, whatever. But that's how they're looking at going in the future. And she's already trying to get herself set up and taking a bunch of online courses to be the best candidate for being an online instructor because that's for her, her, what she enjoys. And then she, and if they only have, and that the, you know, some of the students are going to class, the ones that are doing better online, she'll be able to instruct them better. So it's going to be a win situation. It's good. This is a win-win. The ones that need a classroom could go to the classroom. The classroom sizes are going to be smaller so the teachers can interact with them. That's a win. And the kids that do better online because they're not distracted by other students or, you know, how they're dressed or whatever it may be, that's a win. We're going to get a better, ed- we're gonna, our students are going to get a better education. She has me sold. I, I am completely sold on this multi, you know, faceted way of learning from either online or in person. I, I think it's great. Let me, let me push back a little bit um, oh, don't do this to me.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I have to. I, I have to. <laughs> Out of curiosity, who's going to, how are they going to decide on whether or not a student should be taught at home or in, in the classroom? How are they going to determine that?
2: You know, that that's a really good question. And you know what the answer is? Parents need to start parenting and knowing what's actually best for their children and be part of that. I, I, I agree with you and um, but I'm also very skeptical because uh
1: current climate says parents are not involved, they're too busy doing other things. so yes. my my question is I, I guess. I I agree with the concept. Okay, Mm -hmm. personally, I would have benefited from that learning online versus in person. I, I would have been one of those. But at the same time, I'm concerned with how they're going to determine whether or not a student should be taught from home, you know, online from home or in person at school. I'm I'm concerned they're going to you know use something like uh, I don't know diversity um, standards or something like that. Um, we, we know how wonderful the government and bureaucracy can be with the, those those types of ideas. Mm-hmm. So are they are going to are they going to base it on well you, you know you're black so you should be in school because we have to diversify. diversify whereas. Instead of looking at the in individual student, mm-hmm. that that's my main concern.
2: I think it's going to be a gr- probably going to follow along a grade line on how a student's doing. And then there's going to be a social interact. There's going to be an interaction between the teachers, the parent, the student. Maybe. I don't know. We Actually, that topic didn't come up. I wish I would have talked to you yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then another concern is one of the
1: things that you learn in schools in person is mm-hmm. to interact with peers. Mm-hmm. And if you're learning from home, obviously, you don't have any interaction with peers. You would have to have some kind of activity um, on campus or Mm -hmm. uh, after school activity or something uh, to have that peer learning. Mm -hmm.
2: So I'm Uh, I'm concerned with the long terms of that. But what's our future? Are we okay? There's going to be a transition sometime in the future. We know inevitably that we're all going to be online, plugged in people. That's the future. It's inevitable unless we get wiped out by some. Strange virus or a hurricane or something. I don't know. Or a uh, wildfire. That is wildfire. Yeah, we're gonna all get burned. But that is our future. We're there's we. This is our. This is our. Maybe this is our transition phase before we actually get into that. Because there's going to be a point where you do have to
0: transition, right, mm-hmm. to get to that point. Yeah, maybe and this we're is part of the transition. Now. We we are transitioning yeah. now. the The internet. The internet infrastructure itself has never been fully tested until now. Until now it's never been fully tested. So what they're doing is they're looking now at the fact that the system that we have can handle everything. And the fact that it can handle everything means that they're going to go forward with it, right? So we're going to be looking at mm. 5G, right? That's going to be the new thing. That's mm-hmm. going to be like the backbone thing. Starlink with Elon Musk, that's coming, right? Mm. So so even when you're out away, and I think they I was reading something that like they're going to be That whole system is going to be online. Bruce, we'll talk about that in a second. But that whole system is going to be online soon. But it's going to be a system where you're always connected. You're always connected. Mm -hmm. Rather, it's at home like we're doing here, like right now. You know, GP, you're out in and amongst the wilderness giving product placement with the label so conveniently turned right at the camera (laughs) as you take a drink like a NASCAR driver turning the bottle. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, there's that. And then, of course, you know, I'm on the other side of the planet from you, you know, by 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 order of magnitude. And here we are having a face to face conversation. Right. So this is it this is the transition. This is the test. To do this in real time 10 years ago would have been a stretch. That would have been a stretch. You could have done it, but it would have been a stretch. You wouldn't have had the latency. You wouldn't have had the quality. You wouldn't have had the reliability. But now we do. Mm -hmm. Now we do. And they're just going to make it better. They're going to make it better. I'm a firm believer in the technology we have. I'm not a technophobe. I'm not a technophobe. If somebody listens to these podcasts that we do about these uh, these digital dark ages, you would think that we're all technophobes and we're all against this technology. We're not. We're actually for it. But it has to be used responsibly. It has to be done the right way. And we have to be willing to use it to advance society forward for the betterment mm. of society. Not to use it against people. Not to use it against people. Not to use it as an attitude of control towards people mm-hmm. and civilization, but to advance us. We work together mm-hmm. with technology. This is what guys, and I, and I I hate bringing him up all the time like this, but this is what guys like Elon Musk are doing. He believes in using technology to advance we, the people, right? To to advance us as a civilization. The elites that want to fundamentally alter our society and control the fourth industrial revolution, they want to use that technology to suppress Civilization rather than allow a human coexistence, they want that technology to push everyone else down. They want to be able to lord over that system and to use it as an attitude of control towards everybody. See, that's the part that I'm against. That part right there. Other than that, the points you brought up, GP, that is that's our future. I th- I believe that's our future, mm-hmm. and that's a future worth fighting for.
1: I'm going to push back on the uh, the uh, the bit about uh, control and you know, better society and whatnot. Yeah, go ahead who who decides? Who decides what what the betterment of society is? Because uh, the elites are saying, "Hey, if we were to regulate and control things and and engineer society to advance in certain directions, then that is better for society." I mean, the the it's a very general term in that sense because. It means different things to different people. Um, someone like Bill Gates, uh, he believes that uh, the the there should be what 500,000 people on the earth. We should uh, uh, control populations. We should control the. If you look at the world if you look at the World Economic Forum and the UN, they're both talking about controlling what nations get as far as technology and whatnot. So, I mean, it, it really depends on who you're asking on what you mean there
2: but he's looking at resources and starving people to be able to control you know the uh, the livelihood of these uh, of a certain amount of people and that's where bill gates is coming from nobody would be hungry at that level correct
0: mm, depends it depends on how, Probably. It, well, it depends on how you're looking at it. I mean, if you've got I mean, you know, Gates is out there doing the stuff that he does. Uh, but at the same time, as you said it, Bruce, he's a zero population guy. Uh, that's a problem. You know, that that's a problem. So there's definitely like I said, there, there's good things to it. There's bad things to it. Uh, and it all depends on who's in control of it. That's what it comes down to. When it, you have. Did, go, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, do you think we're overpopulated now as a planet?
0: I I don't.
2: I mean, if you could Uh, control today, if you could control today and say, okay, we're only going to grow as much as we lose today so we can go ahead and fix the world problem of starvation. Children are dying every day, not being able to eat, not being able to have access to medicine every day. And why do they not have food? Population issues
0: because there's they're migrating because they can't migrate. it's, it's mismanagement. Man. It's mismanagement. It's government. If, if, the, if the United States, if, the, if we've talked about mm-hmm. this before, if the United States and Brazil, just those two countries, mm. just those two, if those two countries by themselves were able to produce at capacity and it was managed correctly, we could feed the entire world with just those two countries at a surplus at a surplus, but it's mismanagement. It's all mismanagement. So it, it's always every time. And, and I'm just using that from historical context. I, I'm just saying that from historical references. Right. But that every if we keep growing a
2: population, it's more mismanagement.
0: Yes, but we need to fix I, I, it now. I agree. I agree. But here's here's the thing, though. Historically speaking, as well, when you have societies, societies go through a process of building themselves when they are allowed to build, when they're allowed to mm. go through their, uh, industrial revolutions, per se, because that's what's worked Mm. us up to this point. See, we here in the West, we've already gone through and had our industrial revolution. We brought ourselves up, right? We developed products. We developed a higher standard of living. We developed uh, waste and sanitation services, right? So we were able to manage disease. Mm-hmm. We had better medical systems. We had housing that we we kind of more or less solved, I, I guess, to an extent. We, we have an issue with mm-hmm. it still, obviously, but that's largely due to mismanagement. But a lot of these other countries that you're talking about that have the population booms, such as like India and parts of Africa and Central and South America, they've never gone through mm-hmm. those industrial revolutions. India, yes, you can argue they're on their way through it now. But- When you have nations rise up to a certain point in a stage of development, they do have stabilizations that occur naturally. When people Mm. have something in societies, security of some kind, right? Uh, Good systems, good health, good food, all that stuff. When you have these things develop through industrial revolutions in societies, then people stop looking to their uh, reproduction methods, shall we say, as a form of... Retirements—that's what they do. And so, when you have these countries with these big population booms, it's because they don't have anything else. They don't have any other uh, opportunity. There, there's nothing there. See, we've we've gone through all that, but now we're on the decline because. You know, our our mismanagement systems now have, have pushed us into an area of decline. But that's why you're seeing the others rise up in population. And they're concerned about population growth. Do I think we're overpopulated? No, I think we're overpopulated in certain areas. Yes, for sure. But do I think the world itself is overpopulated with the amount of resources we have? No, we're being told that resources are becoming scarce. It's artificial mm-hmm. scarcity because the people that are in control trying to take us through this autocratic technological revolution for the fourth industrial age, then they, they want to be able to manage and control the resources. If you're to go by that... The elites themselves take Peter Brabig from Nestle, the CEO of Nestle Corporation. We played a clip of him here a couple of weeks ago talking about how you should only have access to 25 liters of water a day, which translates into about five gallons, roughly, roughly 20 to 25 gallons, or excuse me, uh, four, four to five gallons of water a day. That's all you should get. Well, okay, that means that means that translates into we would have to basically put ourselves backwards. No more running water in our houses, no more flushing toilets, no more sinks, nothing, that would all have to go away. You still have that. You still, you Unde- still have that. But you, and you could do a, recyclical, about- a, a recyclable device that would actually
2: recycle water for you. So you could have more water. If I think we that would be that. great for our planet. We have. That. I, I know we water have that. Treatment but nobody's using it. Yeah. And we could actually even have individual treatment centers. So you have your gray water, your black water, you know, your fresh water and take your gray water, recycle it. And, you know, some sort of purification process so you can use more of it. So you'd actually have more water but we're wasteful. Do you know what most of our water goes back in the ocean?
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. But the, the, my, I my guess my bigger point I was trying to make to that was is that if if we go by these guidelines that we're being told that we have to accept, then that means that these nations that need to develop themselves to stabilize their populations will never mm-hmm. be able to. They'll never have the opportunity to. So, few things. Well, unless yeah. we unless we share technology.
2: Well,
1: that's one of the things the World Economic Forum wants to do is uh to tell what developing worlds what technology they can have and what uh technology they can't um nuclear missiles i don't think anybody should have well i agree but um i i would also rather not regulate i, I, I don't i you know again i don't like government government regulations um uh, i don't like a, a a big world government saying what i can and can't have um so you yeah, want a but, nuclear missile got it
2: sure sure yeah uh
0: yeah you know do i need a background check for this bazooka
1: <laughs> well i mean technically you shouldn't as an american no, of but course yeah. not anyway
0: why would you need that you're in a 7-eleven here you go just take two for example It's buy one get one free today exactly yeah with every big gulp a bazooka
1: <laughs> so some of the some of the the uh, Upfront, some of the concerns I have with the developing world—we're uh, we're talking about trying to provide them with enough food and and shelter, education, so on and so forth. Some of the problems in those developing worlds is they have access to those things. The problems in those countries are their government or lack thereof. In a lot of t- a lot of cases, it, it's things like um, they have no government; it's just a bunch of gangs. For example, they're the ones that are are getting in the way of um, uh, god we, we've seen it in in Africa where they've taken up farms and whatnot as as a uh, government taken it from farmers because they were white and gave it to uh the the uh black culture there and mm-hmm. they the the ones that they gave it to didn't know how to farm it so they ended up having a famine because they 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 screwed over their own people basically so it in that situation, it's government. A lot of times that we see a pandemic or we see a famine, it's because of government getting in the way.
2: Well, on a counterverse on that, uh, what about look at look, the Amer- the Western settlers? They came into lands, developed it, and ended up starving. And the native people were like, look what they did to themselves. They didn't know how to manage the land. Was that government? In that case, it was just lack of knowledge in
1: that case mm. I mean you're coming into a new land that you don't know what the seasons are you don't know what the uh, fertility of the the ground is you know what you can grow what you can't grow uh, so in that sense it it was a lack of knowledge in that case, but mm. the the thing is is now we have technology and now we have better knowledge on those things and a better understanding and in a lot of cases, it's, it's government that gets in the way or lack of government, you know, these gangs and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. there was something else I was going to mention that you guys brought up in it. I got sidetracked with what I was talking about. <laughs> it's all
0: good. Okay. So mm-hmm. the last topic we wanted to cover today is, uh, the internet of things uh, we wanted to talk some other stuff about like the infodemic, but you know something, we're just going to push that the next time because that's not going away. Right. I mean, that's, that's going to be something that's ongoing and, and they're going to keep uh, digging back at that thing. So we're going to talk about the infodemic another time. But I want to round off here on the Internet of Things because we're almost out of time, unfortunately. So the Internet of Things, when they say the Internet of Things, this is becoming a a more common term. What, what exactly is this? This is such as like the Internet that's actually taking over where we would normally go to conventional parts of society and obtain like goods and services. Is that what they mean when they say the Internet of Things?
1: Uh, that's what, um, looking over it, I think what they're, they're kind of referring to is any device that connects over the internet. I got you. Okay. Or, or, you know, so technologies, um, everything, robotics, all that stuff. Um, anything that connects, uh, to the internet and is able to be remotely controlled or remotely accessed or just, you know, use the internet. In general
0: mm-hmm. okay so essentially all that stuff all your smart watches your phones your uh, pads and tablets and and pcs and all that stuff plus it's the stuff you have also on top of that right it's everything else like the you the things you buy uh and all that stuff that's the internet of things right <laughs> Right. And I mean,
1: it even goes further to things like security systems, um, you know, how, how you can access those online now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, ring systems, apps, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. S. So, yeah, these these are all technically uh, the Internet of Things. I got you.
0: Um, OK. Yeah. OK. So um, they're talking about how this is going to uh, shape the future of technology governance. Now, where have we heard technology governance before? It's almost... Um, it's almost as if they're referring to, and I, I'm just kind of looking at this. They're they're talking about uh, data driven governance, right? Can't you can't you kind of uh, loop all that into one? Which we know what data driven governance is, don't we? It's social. It's related closely to the term that the WEF uses, the uh, World Economic Forum. They use the term social capital. So could we lump in technology governance, data driven governance, and social capital all into one? Can we do I mean, could we kind of relate all those things together because one doesn't work without the other? They work all together, right? yeah those those are all interconnected. and I mean
1: it, it's part of the whole social credit system. Mm-hmm. Um, social I mean capital, when, yeah. when we're yeah social capital, when you're when you're when you're looking at how everything's interlaced and and together, um they're they're talking about you know like making rules for a beneficial internet of things. Well, what does that mean? Like, what, what, what do you mean rules? Like, are you going to dictate things like what you can and can't do on the on those devices or what? I mean, I'm OK with some forms of regulation, but I would prefer it not be the government level. Right. I would prefer companies be doing that. But mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is a this is this is an
0: international thing that they're trying to do here. Yes. And so they they look at uh, possibly moving forward with this as in like partnering with uh, decision makers and experts across like, as you said, industries, regions, which in this case, I think would be Uh, nations, right, internationally, Mm -hmm. Um, and then using uh, sectors to collectively shape a future in a world that is, quote, healthy, resilient, agile, and equitable using the Internet of Things. Hmm. Well, that all sounds good on the surface, doesn't it? They say that they make reference here to instability and disruption appear to be the new normal for industries and governments around the world. Okay, well, why is that? Why is that? That's because we're sitting on mandates of these things and we have tolerant populations that are putting up with it. There's no pushback. If there was pushback, I think you wouldn't have such an overreach like that. You wouldn't have the disruption. Again, they're using that term again in there, aren't they? New normal, right? See how they're, yeah. they're slowly working that way in there. The Internet of Things holds the power to bring situational awareness to help us better understand, adapt, and thrive in an unpredictable world. Well, why is that world unpredictable? It's unpredictable because that's how life is. It's unpredictable. See, they want to be able to predict how things are going to go by controlling the situations. The situational awareness to them, they don't want to be situationally aware, they want to control every situation. So, when they say that'll it help us better understand, adapt, and thrive in an unpredictable world, they're not talking about me. They're not talking about you. They're talking about them, the ones that are in control of it. They want to be able to control the situations to keep them aware and be able to predict how things are going to go. Whether that would be a mass movement of some kind, and then they can stop it, or uh, any type of uh, advancement that they don't control as what they would call disruptive technology. So they want to be able to control that. The Internet of Things is the internet connected device that enables an employee to work from home, right? Which is what you said. Mm -hmm. The remote controlled robot manufacturing car parts. Yeah. So it would be anything having to do with robotics. The traffic light sensor that's optimizing the ambulance route, which we see those now they've been popping up over the last decade or so. Um, also this will, the, these increased technologies, they will keep us healthy, safe, and connected. Well, what about those that don't want to be kept uh, safe? What about those of us that want to take our chances? What about those of us that don't want to be connected all of the time? What about that? What about those of us that want to get out of that system and unhook for a little bit, disconnect, be one with nature, like our, uh, like our, our, our fellow co-host here, GP is doing out in the middle of, uh, Uh, the wilderness, although he's still connected, to be fair. So I guess that's really not a not a fair judgment to make, but it can accelerate. Now, this part's true. It can accelerate social mobility, minimize air pollution. Well, that's easy enough to do if you would just allow the free market to work. I think that that problem might solve itself. We can innovate our way out of that through new innovation. But see, it's innovation that they don't that they don't control. We talked about that a while back on hydrogen cars, for example. Perfect example. That's a, that's a clean technology, but it's not a technology that they were able to control. So as a result, we now have electric cars because it's something that they can control. Part of the control
1: in that fits in with the future of energy, right? So yes. we have oil-based cars now, right? You know, gas, petroleum, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So they have to be sure to guide where the next innovations are so they can have the proper investments in place before those technologies kick off.
0: They also go on to, to list here that uh, business efficiency is is going to be something that the Internet of Things will help us um, uh, bring in business efficiency. This is something that GP, you're, you and I were talking about business efficiency not long ago, and how this is actually benefiting companies. Okay, are, I missed a are, good are you, portion of the conversation. Mi- you missed it.
2: All right. Business, I it. I, okay. I heard. I heard. I watched your lips, and I got okay. GP. And I'm like, oh, okay. crap. Okay. I got to unlock Business, this. Maybe I can't, I'm missing okay. something.
0: Business efficiency. <laughs> Business efficiency. Yes. Companies- Absolutely. Got to be efficient. Yeah. But companies have learned through all of this, because of the testing of the internet infrastructure itself, through mm-hmm. all of these virtual you know, meetings and things like that, companies have found that they can have their employees telecommute. So they're making more money. Absolutely. They're making yes. more money now. They don't have to send them to the offices anymore. People are leaving New York offices. They don't need the office spaces anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. There is no re- there's no reason. There's, seriously, and especially in, in IT and stuff, you really don't need to be in office. The office thing was always just an over-glorified babysitting scenario to make sh- sure people were working. Well, now that we, you know, you could literally watch people, click, have them click on their cameras or click off their cameras and watch them work anyway. It's, what's the difference between being in an office and being in, you know, having them at home? And at home, people actually—they're finding it more efficient. They're actually getting more work done from the home, doing this telecommuting. I mean, not to say that there aren't those special few that it makes it worse because they have a harder time, but you know, because they're easily distracted by the kids at the house, or if they're in a smaller home and they don't have the space to, you know, to to work in a quiet in a quiet area. You heard my thing, didn't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's this mic. So Mike is so wonderful. It's okay. It no, it, it
0: it adds it adds to the organic. I heard a I heard a bird chirping as it flew over your head just a little while ago. I saw it actually. I heard it chirping <laughs> that I saw it fly over your head back there. Yes, this is a very organic show, isn't it? Because we are just going all over the.
2: Okay, um, yeah. So it, yeah, we can definitely see that this is helping businesses and not having people in the office because pay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I have multiple people coming up. Oh shoot, there's fires by our house. Just got alert. Do you need to go? No. I okay. When I talked about community, then I always talk about community. Because if you need to be know who your neighbors are and get with the neighbors that are the good people, because I have amazing neighbors. I mean, the, I forgot to say get my dough. They thought I was gone, that everyone in my household was gone. And I because I left with RV. They actually took my trash cans in. And they take newspapers, and I do the same for them, but of course, but that's, see, community is so important. But uh, no, I do not need to leave.
0: Okay. So uh, to continue on here with this Internet of Things, when we're talking about, uh, mm-hmm. we, you're making reference there to business efficiency, they're saying that there are already mm-hmm. more internet of things devices uh, than people in the world. So we've got over Mm -hmm. 7 billion of these devices already. They say by 2025, it is expected that 41.6 billion internet of things devices will be constantly capturing data on how we live, (laughs) work, move Mm -hmm. through our cities, Mm -hmm. and operate and maintain Mm -hmm. the machines on which we depend, Mm -hmm. which... Okay, so if you look at if you look at the amount of devices, okay, and this is where I have a problem with this. First of all, I have a, I have an issue with the fact that we have these devices in and amongst our homes. Right. The uh, you you know what I'm talking about, like the uh, the devices that talk to you. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not Mm going to say the name because it'll activate their devices for the listener. And I want to do that or order some AirPods to your house. (laughs) I don't want to do.
2: Okay, actually, I am finally away from all of that. So I can say Alexa, Alexa, Alexa.
0: Oh, but it's we have listeners. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So we have to listeners with it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just have me just go a big beep. <laughs> well, we're capturing. Yeah, we're capturing the audio. We're not going to do the video, but I have an idea on yeah. that. But anyway. Um, okay. So right here where it says that the devices will be constantly capturing data on how we live. Uh, wh- why do they need to know that? I don't think they need to know that. Work. Okay. To your point, companies can just turn those on, right? If the company owns the device. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but they have the right to turn that on as much as they mm-hmm. want. OK, mm-hmm. so if somebody watches and they an do employer watches. Yeah, and they do. And if an employer watches uh, their employee, fair enough, because at the end of the day, they're paying for that employee. So they want to make sure mm-hmm. that their money uh, is going to the right investment to pay that employee to do that job. And if mm-hmm. they're screwing around all day at home and they're not in front of their workstation, then, you know, sorry. I mean, it just doesn't work. Most of the time they
2: don't tap. They don't tap in, though. They don't. They really don't tap in unless it's a meeting. And Mm -hmm. then they call it an all hands. And then that's when everybody's, you know, is there and on video and stuff. But periodically they'll give you a call. They'll just say, hey, uh, can you turn on your camera? And then you're like, yes, yes, I can. And you turn it on. But and that's just to make sure that people are working. And that's not very often that people
0: are, you know,
2: (laughs) They can't, can't, can't do it, man.
0: Yes. Yes, I can turn my camera on.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Out of out of curiosity, though, do they really need to do that? If you're finishing your what you're scheduled to do, you meet the deadline. Do they really need to have that extra control?
2: OK, if it's salary versus hourly. If you're paid from eight to five, so let's say you're paid from eight to five hourly. I'm not referring to a salary situation because a salary, you can implement that where, you know, as long as your work's done, it doesn't really matter. Or you're um, you're available for a project like an emergency project, like say, you know, we needed to get some banners done or something. And I'm paying you from eight to five oh, I need to get this banner done today. I know you're available because you work for me and I know what your schedule is. Hey, I need you there at the thing. And if you're at Disneyland on a ride, it's going to make that kind of situation difficult, correct? That's understandable. And, and you know, if you're supposed to be somewhere at,
1: at a certain time mm-hmm. in, in that scenario, sure, I could see wanting to ensure that someone's there. It's just I don't know, even even on an hourly thing, if you're if the person is still fulfilling their work quota, mm-hmm. I, I, I this is this is what I this is the problem that I have with, with corporations. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> the way the environment is right now is if you finish your quota, if you finish what you're you're supposed to be doing right, they it's encouraged to not uh, give the person a raise, but instead just pile more work on on onto them. Yes, even 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 if it is hourly, or even if it's you know salary. So, but I, I you are expected a torn. certain amount
2: of time. See, that's why I said though hourly, you're expect because you it's that emergency or that quick reaction that you need, and it's what you're paying for that person. You know, when you're paying like someone to scoop ice cream, you are paying them hourly, and if there's nobody there, you're still paying them. And you could have a certain assertion like, hey, you know, I need you to clean out the fridge or the freezer or the whatever it may be. If it's a time sensitive, some, you know, uh, task, I'm, I'm totally mm-hmm. I totally
1: agree with you. But if it's something like, uh, you know, God, I don't know, you, you're just filling out data sheets or something or what have you. I know really? If you I have mean, certain
2: projects. Yeah, it's understandable. But that's not every job. That's why you have to actually look at it from the employer's standpoint is if he's willing to, he or she is willing to allow or they is willing to allow that, then that's fine. But some employ, you know, some work, you can't really put all work in those categories. Everything is different. Right. Right. So it's, it's it's per case by case.
0: So the question is: Is this the way that uh, we think that society should go? Now that I mean, that's the question. Do people do people put up with the surveillance society? That that's the question here, right? Because we're we're looking at this from the sinister side of it. When we it also because if you have companies that watch you, if you have. Um, you know, because it, it's more than this, right? It's more than this. It's talking you about to, you how you we you, live, can pull, you, you can pull your,
2: you can pull your camera.
0: Can you, you, then pull your camera? You don't go, you know, don't go in.
2: If you, if you want to take photocopies of your rump, you don't go in the office and do it, do you?
0: Because <laughs> that's a problem. I mean, I mean, yeah, you know, GP. I was hoping, I was hoping that you weren't going to look at what I had saved on the cloud around here. So, I mean, <laughs>
2: well, I was looking at your background there over there, and I. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretending like to be my, your employer. Yeah, my, and I was uh, concerned. My,
0: my inconspicuous product placement back there in the background. Yeah.
2: No, but it's it's what it's up to you as an individual. What? So it's the employer's responsibility to turn off your camera? No, it's yours. No, it's your no, it's yours. employment that are yes. So turn it off, unplug it. You know what? You know what's a great thing to do, also with your your computers? Unplug them. Plug them from the internet. Remove them from Wi Fi. Guess what happens when you do that? It's a box. Nothing happens anymore. And you can do that. And you have that power. So, you know, whining that they're seeing what you're doing, that's your fault that you're showing your
0: life. That's your responsibility. See, we've got to quit blaming everyone else and taking our personal responsibility. But Mm. what about, and I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing there. But what about the other part of this that they they say that's... Mm -hmm. The devices will be constantly capturing data on how we live, right? But you just said a solution to that. You said a solution to that, Mm. right? Work. Also, you said a solution to that. However, it is the employer discretion in certain cases. Okay, so that's that's fair enough. Move through our cities. How about when you're out in public? You have a right. I'm sorry, as the at least in the U.S., you have a right to be secure in your papers, persons and effects. How does that mm-hmm. being surveilled in public like that? Where does that step in when you have a government that's surveilling you without your consent? You, you, what do you mean without your consent? Have you read I, the terms and agreements? on I'm every not cell talking phone about, company. I'm not talking about that. No, I'm not. I, I know where you're at on that. And I agree with you. I'm talking about public cameras that are operated by city governments mm. and federal governments the mm-hmm. like that have access to that footage that are filming mm-hmm. now if you go into a business you can argue the business side of it. if you go into a business that's that business's right to, uh, to to secure their property i understand that and to keep keep their people safe i get it but if you're out in public walking down the street or something for example london the most surveilled city in the world most surveilled city in the world, not the United States, albeit. But where is the citizen's right to be able to have some privacy when they're out in public? Example, where I'm at, People's privacy is taken very seriously where mm. I'm at for, for good reason, for good reason. Right? The last hundred years in this country has been hell. So people's privacy is taken very seriously. And people don't like to be filmed. They don't like to have their pictures taken. You know, for example, I mean, do you, do you know how I am when it comes to pictures? I, I don't like it. I don't like you it. You love them. I mean, that Charlotte's this moment. You know how those people, you know how those people. In in the gym, they do like, uh, you know, they take little videos, someone you know, but yeah, take the squatting yes. or whatever it is. They're doing bench and press bench pressing and all whatever. And I actually had to walk up to somebody one time because I found out that they were actually they were filming this guy and I was walking through and I didn't know that they were actually filming. Mm-hmm. And I went over to him. I said, hey, I'm sorry, but um, I, I have to ask you to delete that. I know I'm in that shot. And he said, well, you know, because they have to ask you. So they're supposed to ask mm-hmm. you. Uh, if you're mm. in there, and then people just like myself, we we don't like to be filmed or or caught on video or anything like that. Of course, because of you, in the near future, we're going to be throwing all that out the window anyway. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, yes. But nonetheless, what what about the public side of it? I guess that's the question here. That and that's that's where we're going to end. Is what about the public side of it?
2: Okay, so let's go with the streets first. We're gonna we're gonna divide okay. the sections of the public into. Uh-huh. You know, we're going to divide it up. OK, let's go with the streets. The streets is not we do not have a right to drive on these streets. Correct. It's a privilege. Driving it's a is privilege. a privilege.
0: Yes. You know that's privilege. Yeah. These it, roads uh, are created for I, a privilege. I would I would argue that driving is a right, not a privilege. I would argue that. But that's a that's a conversation for another day. But go on.
2: OK, so that's a privilege. So the government does have a um, they, they do have a right to monitor that situation because we have voted that this is a, you know, we have relegated the, you know, driving to the government to take care, you know, to take care of the laws, the bylaws and take care of the roads and that situation So it's reasonable that they should be observing the roads. Now let's go to... The sidewalks—that's where it gets a little fuzzy because sidewalks are. Is there a? Can, can Are you not allowed to skip on a sidewalk? You're not allowed to run on a sidewalk. You're not allowed to do what? Do, are you? Are you allowed to have reasonable? Is this considered a public space? Roads are not considered a public space, and that's what's so weird when these people are blocking roads because it's against the law. But on a sidewalk, you're you're expected a certain amount of freedom. So when it comes to the cameras being in that area. I think it's up to the businesses or the private residences to dictate whether a camera should be or should not be in that area. But I don't think the government should be part of that. Then we start going into parks. Parks are a public place that we've all uniformly designated through voting and zoning and everything else to be a public location that everyone can enjoy freely. No cameras, period. Because that's the reason people want to roll. Re- just, just you need a place to to relax. Parks a good place for that, and. Pretty much most parks self-regulate because I'll tell you, when bad people start coming in, it doesn't take very long for the neighborhood to start coming in and removing those people. This is pretty awesome. I mean, in, in most parks. I mean, sometimes it takes years. <laughs> look, look at Echo Park. But uh, the, the I don't think the government should be in there watching you because that's a place for you to unwind, to relax, to throw frisbees with your kids, to, you know, if it's got a pond, to kick your feet in the water, whatever it may be, without the government getting in there without you feeling that you're being controlled or manipulated and watched. Hmm. I'm going to have to push back a little bit. Okay, um, what are you pushing back
1: if, on? If the government should mm-hmm. be allowed to record us on the street, they mm-hmm. should be allowed to record us in national parks. No. Same delegation. National parks are a privilege. Just as you said, the roads are a privilege. If they are allowed to uh, record the, the populace on Actually, roads without the, your uh, consent— uh, the, and they're to, to control and relegate the roads just as they are in the national
2: parks. They're not They're not the same regulation. It's completely different because I have the right in a national park to go and camp there for two weeks. No,
1: you have the privilege
2: to do that. It's not a right. Well, well, no, they, they can only take it away in case of national emergency, national, you know, like a fire, a... Um... Uh, natural disaster, earthquake, uh, unsafe road conditions, whatever it may be, that they can actually remove that. But in general, they cannot stop you from going into a national park. But a road, it can be. Um, you're not allowed to – these protesters to... that are on the road are completely – you're not allowed to stand in a road, let alone a freeway. There are so many laws against I, standing I, in a freeway. I,
1: I get it because roads are meant for vehicles. I, I get it. But if you're not breaking the law – Law enforcement really can't do much as far as getting you off the road, unless there's, as you said, an emergency of some kind. So mm-hmm. it, it's
2: really my point. But If is, I'm on a road, if I'm on a road, I can be arrested. If I'm in a national park, they're not going to arrest me for just being in a national park. Yeah, but you're you're not comparing apples to apples. I know because, because if you if
1: you're if you're in a national park that's banning say ATVs and you're out on your APT, ATV, then yeah, I agree. All motor you, you, vehicles
2: you, are a privilege.
1: I, I I get it, but my my point is. You saying that you can't be on a road, you can get arrested for being on a road. I agree. Yes, that's true because you're walking on a road. You're not supposed to be on the road unless you're in a motor vehicle. Whereas in national parks, some of the parks ban motor vehicles. So if you were to go there on a motor vehicle, you'd be arrested. So that would be an equal comparison because national parks are not necessarily meant for you to go there with a motor vehicle. It's meant for you to camp or enjoy yourself.
2: Yeah, so but the motor ready, vehicle like, is not a freedom; it's not a right. Motor vehicles are a right, so you're actually taking something that's not a right to you to a place because yes. both
1: using both yeah. of those are not rights. Though roads are not a right, nor is national parks. Those are those are privileges that we have given ourselves, or that we have. It's similar to voting; it's not a right; it's mm. a privilege; it, it's something that can be removed from you. <laughs>
2: that Whereas it's up to the, the people. The con- Do you believe in democracy then? are you against
1: democracy? I'm against democracy. I'm, I'm for a, a republic. I'm for a system of laws and, and I'm not for this, the democracy personally, democracies and, and catastrophe. So to sum up what I'm getting at, we have a constitutional right for our privacy. The government has to have a warrant. And if they don't, if you're on, on, a public property or, or road or whatever they have to have a warrant to use any of that information. And
2: okay, I'm good with that. that. I, I I'm good with that. You know what? I am really good with that. That they can they're, they're monitoring, but none of it can be used unless a warrant skin. But it's how do you determine whether how a warrant is issued? Is it does a crime have to be committed first, or because they're watching the video, they find the crime?
1: It has to be a crime. Has to be committed first. There has to be sustained reported evidence. There has to be enough evidence to support that there was a crime that happened and that you were a part of it for them to get the warrant to look at the mm-hmm. infor- to to look at the cameras to do it.
2: Okay, I'm there. I'm I'm with you on that. I'm with you there. I, I because the you know because you know no no I am I'm, I'm with it. I know that it's going to all of it's going to get voted in for our safety. You know all of and it's going to be that. and and everything's going to get in on every time you sign a terms and conditions. You know. That's gonna happen. That you're convinced. accepting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what? What are you doing, Johnny? I'm not looking. He, he's saying time. We're he's way say, over on time. I've up. been
0: sitting here for a minute. I'm waving my watch around. I'm like, yeah. we're yeah. over on time. Yeah. I thought you yeah, were I advertising I, I a watch. He, no, I, I I'm not a spokesperson. Did. Yeah. I am not a spokesperson for Tag Heuer watches. The only Swiss-made watch. <laughs> <that is>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have you as a voiceover person, Johnny. It is. You're gonna be loving it. It is the best watch that I've ever owned, uh, and it's my favorite. I've got a whole bunch of watches. This is uh, this is my by far my favorite. But anyway, uh, right. and it's the it's the Formula One edition. If you, anyone that wanted to know, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's uh-huh. let's continue on because I like where that conversation was going. Unfortunately, we're out of time today, gentlemen. So we're gonna have to go. But I like mm. where that was going. Let's pick that up. Bruce, you got that idea. Let's um, let's run with that. Let's uh, let's jot some things down. And I tell you what, we get GP back next week. We'll we'll go with that one. We'll do an entire thing around it. So that that's a that's a great topic um, as far as working in the Internet of Things and what governments can and can't do and how they should or shouldn't be using technology to either give us our freedoms or, or clamp down on them. So uh, that's a that's a great conversation to to have. How do you so give freedom? Uh, no, no, no. As in get giving, like giving you freedom. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. allowing you to have it. That's that's what I meant. OK, or take it away. That's that's what I was going with. But anyway, uh, we're going to have to end. So for those of you who have not you'd like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parler. We love getting all of your echoes, your likes, your feedbacks, your comments. You can follow me over there at Jay Anderson three or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster. If you would like to reach out to us and you do not want to reach out to us on social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at tips at dynamicindependence.com. Also, we would humbly ask you to pass us along to friends and family. We're looking to expand our audience as much as possible. And we need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that. So if you could pass this along to friends, family, and known associates, we would greatly appreciate it. Also, if you're rating podcast, if you could please go over to Apple Podcast and drop us a rating at your convenience or any other respective platform you listen to us on, if you could please drop us a rating as well. We would greatly appreciate that. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce and GP out in the woods thank you for your time tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.